So, as was said, this Torah portion is named Toldot, and Toldot is generations. And it's such a blessing that God is multi-generational, that he's intergenerational, that he can speak to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And it's something that I find very, very special, that he's, he's not just the God of Abraham, or not just the God of Isaac, or not just the God of Jacob, or not just the God of Moses. He's the God of all of them in all generations, and he's our God as well, just as much he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he's our God. He's the God of our home, he's the God of our families, he's the God of our lives, he's the God of our jobs, our finances, our health, he's the God of our mind, he's the God of our soul, God of our spirit. He's, he's everywhere at all time in the same time, and I, I find it such a blessing how God works through generations. And last week we spoke a little bit about that, if you recall, um, I gave a word on the blessing of impartation to other people. And that is most commonly done or most understood in families as we bless our children, as we try to impart something good to our kids. And really, we try to impart something good, something of the Lord to other people. And like I said last week, we all have the ability to do that a lot. God opens up opportunities for us to impart Something godly, a bit of himself, seed, seed, seed. As it says in Galatians, Yeshua, the seed is Messiah. The seed of Abraham is Messiah. And we always have the opportunity to plant seed. Always. We always have the opportunity to plant seed. And of course, when it comes to parents and children, we want to be able to impart to our children something good. And we also believe that our parents imparted something good to us. But the reality is uh, that uh, we are human and our mama, mommies and daddies are human. And sometimes, they, and we all do the best we can, but sometimes there are things that get passed down to us that can be struggles and challenges in our lives. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to impart down to a next generation something that is not of the Lord. And sometimes this is hard because we all deal with things in our lives, and we have reactions, and we have flesh, and we have parts of ourselves that it's just, we're, we have trouble getting ahead of, and, but we don't want to impart those things downward. But if we could just be real for a second, it happens. It happens. And it happened to us as well. And if we even think of our lives, if we think of even our parents, you know, maybe there are things that you know, were passed down to us that maybe weren't good, that the Lord gives an opportunity to heal. So I want to bring forth a scripture today which kind of speaks about that, and it's a problematic scripture, also about generations. Now, set the narrative of the scripture that, that's about to come forward. This is actually commandment number two, if we can bring the slides forward. Uh, if we, this is actually commandment number two. Uh, is, are, is, the, uh, is it working? What's coming along? So this actually is from commandment number two. Now, we know the Ten Commandments, and we, when we think of the Ten Commandments, we normally just think of those statements, right? Uh, Thou shalt not kill, or don't kill, or don't steal, and don't commit adultery, and I am the Lord, and don't have other gods, and don't, commit, you know, don't uh, covet. You know, those simple statements, but within the Ten Commandments, God also provides a little extra color, a little extra narrative. And in commandment number two, which is really about don't uh, make and worship idols, he says this. He says, for I, the Lord, I, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And this is the part that can be challenging, that we need to delve into. F visiting, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. That's challenging. That's challenging. On the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, that's something that's interesting and we, that needs to be uh, looked into a little bit. And if you go forward, but, that's a good but. Sh showing loving kindness to thousands, that's really a thousand generations, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So it says that, if you go back one, I'm sorry, if you go back, uh, visiting the iniquity of father, uh, uh, fathers on the children for third and fourth to so the third and fourth generations go forward, but loving kindness to a thousand generations. That's what we sang, right? A thousand generations. Um, so if you go forward, so we need to kind of dig into this a little bit. Like, what does it mean to visit the iniquity of the fathers onto on the children? And it doesn't even seem like a biblical concept. Like, why would the children have to suffer from the iniquity of the fathers? Like, aren't we, all, aren't we personally accountable to the Lord for our own lives? Like, what does it mean to be, you know, to have iniquity of the fathers come to another generation? In fact, it seems to be contradictory to another part of the Bible. So if you go forward, this is one area in Ezekiel where he says, a son will not suffer the punishment for the father's guilt. It explicitly says that. Like, a son will not suffer the punishment for the father's guilt, nor will a father suffer the punishment for the son's guilt. In other words, like, everybody is accountable to the Lord for their own lives. You're not accountable for your dad's life or, or your mom's life or your grandpa's life or your grandma's life. Abuelo or abuela. <laughs> None of them. They're not responsible for them. Uh, the, the, this, this, the back story to this verse uh, is actually from the Babylonian exile. And Ezekiel and Jeremiah bring this whole concept forward because apparently during the Babylonian exile, when our people were in exile in Babylon, apparently this little attitude started to well up that they were punished because of, not because of their sins, but because of the sins of the fathers. And a little proverb started to, started to go around town that our fathers, essentially, which means our fathers did bad stuff and we're the ones getting punished, right? So both Ezekiel and Jeremiah had to correct that and say, listen, guys, when we're punished, it's because of what we did. It's not because of what they did. But how do we reconcile that with what it says prior? If you can go, back, go forward again, uh, forward, um, for the iniquity of the fathers coming down to the children. And I want to say this. So it's not, it doesn't mean that we are responsible or sons are responsible for what the parents did. But what it does say is that sometimes sins or, or things that are not of the Lord, that parents of a, a, a previous generation do and not conquer can come down to children. It can. And we see this really starting with Adam. And uh, Paul writes in Romans, through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, right? Because of what one person did a long, long time ago, we all have a sin nature, Right? But through the obedience of the one, that's the Messiah, many will be made righteous. But because of the one, that first Adam, we all have a sin nature. And that sin nature can get passed down just through various things. You know, like if, if your dad was an alcoholic and doesn't conquer it, you know, you might struggle with that. Maybe. You know, if your dad or mom was angry, you know, maybe you, maybe you struggle with anger. And I don't know if, there, if you can think about the things that you struggle with and think of maybe your mom and your dad or your grandma and your grandpa and think to yourself, like, is there something of me that they also struggle with? 
you know, sometimes people say like, you know, I got a bad temper, but you know what? I'm Italian. That's a lie, by the way. That's a lie. You know, yeah, I do drink a lot, but you know what? I'm Irish. That's a lie. But it's this concept that because something's in our generations, it means it's coming down to us. But, then, but that is a spiritual concept that, that if something in one generation that's not of the Lord isn't conquered, it can come down to another generation. But God says it'll be for three or four generations, I'll, and I'll bless a thousand generations to those who love me. So there's something, and this is, it has to be pertaining to the goodness of God. Because God is good. He's good. In fact, it, we see that, that scripture in another place. When Moses was up on the mountain in the cleft of the rock with God, he said, show me your glory. And God passes before him, and he reveals a lot of his attributes. He said the same thing. He says, I visit iniquity to three or four generations, but will show grace to a thousand. So if that's part of God's nature, there's something good. There's something good. There's something divine about the fact that maybe we inherited something that may not be so good. I mean, to give some examples, like I, I, could, I know for sure that like from my mother, I got tenacity. I know I did. And uh, diligence, I know that. I know from my mother's father that I got male pattern baldness. Amen. <laughs> Two witnesses. By the way, I got my sense of humor from my dad of blessed memory. You know what else I got from my dad? Anxiety. Panic. Panic attacks. When I was in my 20s, I used to have panic attacks. Very, very anxious. The Lord healed me fully of that. <laughs> fully. It's not a part of me whatsoever. So what does it mean that iniquity can go down to other generations, but bless for a thousand? You know what it means? It means that, okay, I did inherit a propensity for anxiety from my father. But in the Lord, it's conquered. And from this point on, it's a thousand generations of blessing. We all have the opportunity when we receive something from mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, say, the buck stops here, baby. The thousand generations of blessing starts now. And this is the goodness of God. In fact, if we go forward, it says, so we see this concept even in our Torah portion. And it's very interesting. So this is a little long, so I'll read it. So Isaac settled in Gerar when the men of the place asked him about his wife. Do we know the story? This is from our Torah portion. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. For, sound familiar? For he feared, saying my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. Does that sound familiar? So if you go forward... This is the exact same narrative from his father, Abraham. 
he said to his wife, Sarai, at the time, see now, I know you're a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, Let's let, but let you live, please say that you are my sister, so it will go well for me. It's the exact same thing. This is not a good thing. This is not an action of faith from the man of faith. This is somebody that was lying to protect his tuchus. But that behavior, that, that idea, that action, that behavior apparently got passed down to his child, to Isaac. One thing that's really, if you go forward, it's also from this Torah portion. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now, we know the story of Sarah who was barren. Not that Sarah. She ain't barren. That we know for sure. There's fertility flowing all over that girl. All right, I'm back. But we know Sarah was barren, right? But did you know that the next, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so the, the women were, were Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel Leah. And did you know that not only was Sarah barren, did you know that Rebecca was barren also? Did you know that Rachel was barren? Three generations of barrenness. Do you see how this happens? He visits these things until it's conquered. But after Rachel, we see no barrenness. This is what it means when I, was, I will pass, you know, I will visit iniquity three or four generations, but bless a thousand. Do you see that? Do you see how we can get things? So we can get things from our parents. So maybe if you pray about it, if you go forward, if you can, if you can sincerely think of do you have a pattern of repeating sins, like something from your parents, behaviors that's repeated from your parents, or even illness? Well, I got cancer in my genetic line. You know, I say this humbly because sometimes I get in trouble for, for speaking about illness, but, you know, is this an opportunity for God to heal something and say three or four generations maybe, but buck stops here, a thousand from this point on? This is the blessing of God. This is the blessing of God. We all get it. Like, our parents are messed up, and we that are parents, we can be messed up. But if something does come to us or come to our children, I am telling you there's an opportunity. If you go forward, um, there's one thing that we can learn about this is the word visiting. Now, it says, I, the Lord, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third or fourth generation. So the Hebrew word for the visiting is, if you go forward, is pakad. Pakad. Nothing to do with Captain Pakad. Go, go back. So, pakad, it means to visit. 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 Isn't it interesting that it's this thing that's passed down from generation to generation, this thing that might not be of the Lord? It's a visitor. What's the difference between a visitor and somebody who really lives in the house? The visitor is somebody who really doesn't live there. So these generational things, these generational iniquities that it says that can come down to us, the Bible calls them visitors, visitors, generational visitors. But because they are visitors, they can be removed because they don't live in your house. They don't own the house. They're not co-owners of the house. They're visitors. Do you understand that? Visit, visit, visit. And if you look at the other places where the same word, it's always about a spiritual visitation. It's very interesting. So it's interesting to think of these things as visitors, and I think it's healthy to do that so we don't so take ownership of it. Well, I'm a person with 
you know, we don't want to let something become an owner of the house when they're really just visitors. And if we're dealing with something, there is an opportunity, an opportunity, an opportunity. And I like that word opportunity because very often in more prophetic circles, these things are called, if you could go forward, generational curses. And if anybody heard the term a generational curse, I don't like that term because Yeshua took the curse upon himself. We're not cursed at all. So I don't like the term generational curse, but I do like the term as generational opportunity. Opportunidad. Opportunidad and opportunity mom. <laughs> but, I, but I'm serious. As much as I'm trying to be silly, I'm serious. So if there is something that, that, that you can take a step back and say, you know what? You know, I, I blow up, but you know what? I remember my dad doing that too. And I remember my dad being anxious. I remember him being panicky. I remember he was so hyper-focused on his panic, he just couldn't, couldn't get a hold of it. And I remember when this started to well up in me when I was in my young 20s, when all of a sudden I started to get panic attacks. And back then, before I accepted the Lord, before I knew the Lord, I was going about the same direction that he was on. My dad was very, very addicted to Valium. He was very, very addicted to tranquilizers. And that's all he knew. My father, of blessed memory, did not have any coping skills outside of prescription drugs. He didn't have any coping mechanisms whatsoever. And if it didn't work, up the meds. And if it didn't work, up the meds. And if it didn't work, get another med to supplement it. And these doctors just continued to just pound them, pound them, pound them with meds. I think it's almost like these doctors got tired of hearing from them. They said, whatever he wants, just give him. And that's, that's how he lived his life. But that was not a life of victory. That part was not a life of victory. My dad did receive a lot of victory, but he did not receive victory over that. I received victory over that because I knew the Lord. And I'm telling you that, that it's, it's totally gone for me. Panic, anxiety, depression, things that I dealt with in my 20s is, is so far from me, I don't recognize it. So if it came down to me generationally, I don't claim it as a generational curse. I claimed it as a generational opportunity for me to kick it and start a process of 1,000 generations being blessed. And every one of us has the opportunity to say, it stops here. Three or four generations, fine, but 1,000 starts with me. 1,000 starts with me. I may identify that I have rage because, of, because it came from my dad, or I have... Uh, a low self-esteem because it came from my mom, but it stops here. And that's why this is in the nature of God. When he passed by Moses and he, and, he, and he presented his nature, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am Hashem, I am Hashem. This is, and, and he said this, it sounds like it's something harsh, but really it's a blessing because the blessing is for us to conquer these things. So then how do we conquer it? And I'm just going to repeat myself because you've heard it all before. How do we begin the process of showing love to thousands if you go forward? So there's a scripture, and you can go forward once, and you've seen this before already. And I don't want this to become old like I'm repeating myself because I'm telling you that dang works. So in Nehemiah, we see something very interesting. We see them, now this is a fulfillment of scripture. In the Torah, in the book of Leviticus, it says that you're going to get exiled. If you continue to sin, you're going to get exiled. But one day you are going to repent for your own sins and the sins of your fathers. I'm going to bring you back into the land. And we see this fulfilled in the book of Nehemiah uh, as they were coming back from the first exile. And it says, they stood and confessed their sins and the wrongdoings of their fathers. This to me is recognizing 
And these are five steps that really, if you haven't heard it before, kind of take it, write it, put it on your fridge, and live it. Because I'm telling you, like I've said before, I live this myself. First thing is to recognize. You have to recognize it. You know, when, when Nehemiah and the people, they stood and they confessed their sins and the wrongdoings of their father, when they recognized that not only were they sinning, but also their fathers were sinning, and it kind of passed down to them, and they confessed it, that's recognition. That's recognition of this thing of this iniquity that got passed down three or four generations. So it's important to recognize it and to say that, you know what, and that's the first step. Even in recovery, they say the first step is recognition. Well, it's giving your life to a higher power. But you have to recognize that this is happening. You have to, just, you have to make that connection. That is the first step in healing, is to make that connection, to say, I am dealing with this. I'll tell you, you know, if you know me as, as rabbi, if there's anything that I am passionate about, I'm passionate about, the Lord, but if there's anything I'm passionate about when it comes to preaching, I want to see people set free. I want to see people that are struggling with depression, with uh, anxiety, with bad feelings about themselves or unloving spirits. I want to see that there is a more excellent way. There is a more excellent way. And I want to, I want to see that. If there's any passion I have as a, as a servant, as a rabbi, it's to see people living in the, the fullness of what God has and not be stuck in, these, in this garbage. And not be stuck when the Lord has so much more. Fullness of joy, fullness of life. Pleasures at his right hand. So recognizing that you have that something, you, you know, you're repeating a pattern from mom and dad or grandma or grandpa. Recognize it. Recognize it. Just see it. Yeah, it's happening. And then take responsibility for it. When I look at this scripture, and when they, when they confess their sins, they didn't just confess the sins of their fathers, they confessed their sins. They didn't just say, well, dad did it, and they left it there. And this is not something to blame mom and dad for because guess what? Mom and dad did the best they could with the tools that they had. Is there anybody here that just needs to forgive mom and dad? Father, I speak forgiveness over my parents. We speak forgiveness over our parents. They did the best they could as I do the best I could. And I don't want to put blame on them for, my, for challenges that I'm dealing with today. So, Father, I release them from any burden that I have kept in keeping them in bondage by not forgiving. I forgive my parents in the name of Yeshua. Maybe somebody here needed to hear that and pray that. See, taking responsibility for it maybe is acknowledging maybe where it came from. Okay, I'm repeating a pattern from mom and dad, but it's on me to start this thousand generations of blessing. That's the opportunity. That's the generational opportunity. So take responsibility for it. Repent of it. Just repent. Repent. I am a big proponent of repentance. Y'all should know that. Repenting, renouncing, breaks Satan's legal claim to the things in our lives that are not aligned with God the way it operates, and I've shared this before, is Satan is an accuser. That's his name. That's what Hasatan means. It means the accuser. And he's up, always banging on God's door, banging on the, God, uh, on the door of the throne room, saying, your son, your daughter is sin, 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 sin. And because we're constantly sinning, he's saying that a whole lot about all of us. And then God says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, because I see my son. Not guilty, I see my son. Not guilty, I see my son Yeshua. Not guilty, I see my son Yeshua. But sometimes God in his mercy and his grace says, okay, S-man, 
you can go. You can have a little authority over this little area in their lives. And again, it's God's grace because the purpose is to bring us back to him. The purpose is to bring us back to him. And when we repent of these things, when we repent of any area in our lives that is misaligned with the fullness of what God has, if we repent and renounce it and not want anything to do with it anymore, that legal right that Satan has is gone. It's gone because we've repented. And God hears our prayers and he hears our repentance and he says, okay, gone. It's never happened. Bottom of the sea. And when God puts something at the bottom of the sea, he don't give you no fishing poles. You got that? Come on, somebody. And then remove, in the name of Yeshua, by the power of the Holy Spirit, spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety, I bind you up, break your power, I cast you out. Go. The tools are still the same. They're still basic. And may we begin a thousand generations of blessing. Remember, if something came from you from mom and dad, it's to conquer. Don't think of it as a generational curse. Think of it as a generational opportunity. You can go forward. There is, and I'll close with this, in the Ten Commandments, there's another commandment. This one is commandment number five. It's honor your father and your mother. And you know what? I can give a whole message on this because you can look at this particular commandment from so many different angles. And many people will come to me and ask me, how do I honor my father or my mother when my mother or my father is abusive? And is it dishonoring to my mother or to my father if I keep a boundary, if I have to say, I, I can't see you? And it's okay. It's okay to keep boundaries. If we need to keep boundaries with our parents, there's nothing dishonorable about that. If there's something that's toxic or something like that that's happening, it's okay to keep a boundary. But I'll tell you one awesome way to honor our fathers and our mothers. And if that is, if there is something generational, something that has been visited to you from mom or dad that's not of the Lord, if we bring that before the Lord in a spirit of recognition and repentance and we're done with it and we have victory over it, is there no better way of honoring our parents? That is an amazing, wonderful way to honor our parents. So, Father, I lift this up to you, Adonai. Father, there's anything within us. If there's anything within us, Lord God, as we pause and we reflect on, on, on our behaviors, on our health, on our lives, on, on, on sins that easily beset us, if they ever come down, just like we see with Isaac, a bad behavior, a lying, some lying came down into Isaac from, from Abraham. Does anything that came down, a lying, Lying is a great example. We see like mom and dad are always defending themselves and, and lying to, and to, to, to preserve their lives. And I do that myself if we, if we think of that, just to recognize that and to say, Father, I just bring this before you in a spirit of repentance. Father, I recognize that I'm sorry. I don't want to do it anymore. And I just leave it behind. I renounce it. I, don't, I want to be done with it. And may we have victory over these areas. May we have victory over these areas, these generational opportunities where it says in scripture that I will visit the iniquity, visit to the third and fourth generation, but bless a thousand generations that love me. We can kick that visitor out in the name of Yeshua. Amen.